Hey there, thanks for popping on the Colts with Grant podcast. Today we're going to take a dive into the Frank Reich postgame conference call from our beautiful Raiders contest that we recently uh, emerged from. Some of the content here is some injury info, definitely some defense talk, a little bit of dive into the, the Kansas City Chiefs, and a little blurb about our brand new defensive tackle, Trayvon Coley. Take a listen. Thanks again. All right, so as we get going on the post-Raiders uh, press conference here for Mr. Frank Reich, uh, what a fun game that was, right? I mean, if, if you're like a glutton for punishment or you you enjoy pain, things like that, you had a really good time watching that game, right? Or, or maybe if you're a Raiders fan, you had a great time watching that game. Boy, but if you're a Colts fan, that was excruciating. All right, so the injury update that he always leads with, uh, we're talking uh, four names here, five names here. You know, Paris Campbell left the game with an abdominal injury. Marlon Mack uh, left the game with an ankle injury. Uh, they did say that Marlon uh, could have returned to the game. And then kind of later on the in the press conference when asked about sort of why he didn't, um, Frank referenced the no-huddle aspect of the offense at that time because of us needing to come back against the Raiders who are so vaunted on offense. Uh, that's sarcasm. So... He said that that's Naheem Hines' quote-unquote baby uh, is the um, the no-huddle. So while they were in no-huddle, they left Naheem Hines in there. And, uh, yeah, that was the plan of attack there. Side note, I love watching Naheem Hines catch the ball. More of that, please, Frank, uh, when you listen to this, which is never. Uh, Clayton Gathers then uh, is officially in the concussion protocol uh, as of now, as of yesterday. So that is uh, also fantastic. Uh, not fantastic. So hopefully... This goes a little bit quicker than Mr. Leonard's concussion, uh, which is referenced here in a second. But, um, yeah, as we've talked about Darius's uh, concussion, none are the same. So we protect the player, and there's a, you know, the brain is a very important aspect of our body, so let's make sure we get that back to uh, healthy and do not enter the game until that's the, the case. He was asked about Darius. Um, he does say that Darius is making progress. They are taking conservative approach to, well, his concussion and all concussions, so there's that. Uh, th- then they were asked about, or he was asked about Jack Doyle and the, the hit from Mr. Perfect, who is now a former NFL football player. He said Doyle was all good. You know, no no telling, like, when a, a head a strike like that results in concussion and when it doesn't. Uh, once again, we'll just say everybody's different. And um, But that was the entirety of the uh, injury session or portion of the uh, conference call. So then, obviously, he was asked about uh, a couple things. The first was the Chiefs game, right? Just some initial thoughts. We're looking forward to a good challenge. And then asked about the loss. Obviously, he wants to learn from it and move on. So let's just um, let's move on from that Raiders game, eh? Let's move on. <laughs> we really don't want to drop those games at home, but that's what happened, and away we go. So they, he, he was then asked about the drop ball situation. Um, you know, how can you address it? Do you address it? Or uh, do you just let them work through it? Very similar to questions he was asked last year. <clears throat> um, it, it is funny, though. Earlier in the season, didn't it feel like we were sort of happy about the, the situation, not talking about drops? And now we really have one game, maybe a game and a half here, where there, that, that seems to be something, and now it's a, sort of an all-hands-on-deck situation. You know, but when he was asked, do you address it? Do you just let them work on it on their own? Sort of uh, sort of alluding to the psyche aspect of it. He does say both, right? You do address it. But he does also say that these guys generally do address it on their own. They're going to go through the, the catch cycle 
uh, the circuit uh, maybe twice or three times rather than one time. But when you look up on nextgenstatsnfl.com, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, you know, looking at catch percentage, you know, Deion Kane is, is second worst here in, <clears throat> pardon me, in the in the NFL here in catch percentage at 27% uh, catch percentage. He's been targeted 11 times, and he has three catches on, on those 11 targets, and that is suboptimal. You know, that's, 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 the, that's second worst to Brashad Perriman in the league, and that's Deion Kane, our, uh, our movie star there. So a little bit down the list is Eric Ebron sitting at right at a 50% catch percentage. He's been targeted 16 times. And that's right, you guessed it. That's eight catches on 16 targets. That is roughly 10th worst uh, in the league there. And then going down a little bit more, the next uh, Colts player that you're going to find is, where did he go? Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal right next to each other. Uh, both been targeted 10 times. They both have six catches. 60% uh, 60% uh, catch percentage. Uh, really... Uh, T.Y. Hilton sits here at 80% catch percentage, uh, 25 targets, 20 catches. Uh, and Darren Waller, um, I said I wasn't going to talk about it anymore, but there he is. The uh, Raiders tight end at a, a 90% catch percentage, 33 catches on 37 targets. Very strong. So there's definitely issues here with, with the catching or with the dropping. Deion Kane, Eric Ebron in particular. I would not sound any crazy alarms about it yet. Let's just let's get... On to the next game here and see if that continues to be an issue, and uh, then we then we can really talk about it as an issue. But um, as it sits right now, we're gonna let these guys try and work through it and, and go from there. He was then asked about the perfect hit. Um, did you see the hit? What was your reaction to it? You know, he did say he had a reaction to it. He was unhappy about it at the time. That's one of your guys out there. That's one of your players. That's one of your close like a family member out there that's gonna it's getting attacked right and uh so he did say he was thankful for the league's action and um he said that's not supposed to be in the game that sort of thing and and uh <clears throat> we I, I you know obviously we all agree with that uh he did say that the follow-up the follow-up action <clears throat> aka uh the suspension for the remainder of the year for uh Vontez Burfick there was appropriate so he does support him um his exit of the NFL you know, so I feel strongly about the NFL. I feel strongly about football. I played football for many years. Um, my son, sons both play tackle football right now. And uh, I, I do believe that the sport provides certain life lessons and certain formative aspects to um, boys and girls of certain ages that is very valuable to society. And, and I, I do worry about the game going away because of, of the concussion situation and really some science coming to light around you know, CTE and sort of the narrative that football is sort of uh, on an island as far as the way that, you know, CTE happens in the sport and things of that nature. So I do support, you know, <clears throat> the, the league mandating less head-to-head contact. They've gotten rid of the crack, certain certain styles of crackback blocks for this year, which I support as well. Like if, if the guy's not looking at you, like why do you have to try and literally – injure someone that's that's never been really a, a, a part of this game so for them to eject him I guess to spend him for the rest of the year that's a good that's a good thing to do it, it, it's past due uh, but it's tough because people want to say you know you're taking the aggression out of the sport it's becoming flag football and this and that and and I don't support that I want aggression in the sport I, I we need violence in the sport 
and you can make a hit on someone with your shoulder, with leverage, uh, that is violent, that may injure someone uh, unintentionally, and it, it can get the oohs and the ahs from the crowd without involving your head or the um, opponent's head. I guess I'll just leave it at that. We need to be open to the fact that in order for this game to survive, it has to evolve, and it can't evolve, and I don't want it to evolve to the point where there's no aggression and no violence and no hitting, but it just has to be smart, and we have to be have a long view on this, and um, as long as we're still aggressive and we can hit hard and cheer loud, I think we're going to be fine. So we're glad Jack Doyle's okay. <clears throat> we're glad Vontez Burpick has been... Um, Punished in an appropriate way, and, and that was uh, all on that topic. And so before we get into some of the other topics, uh, namely the defense that Frank was asked about, he was asked about uh, specifically the onside kick situation, how that all kind of unfolded on the sidelines, and how he decided to kick it deep rather than go for that onside kick. So we all know <clears throat> pardon me, that the change in the formation rules for the onside kick meant that you can't load up one side over the other. So when they did that, the likelihood of a successful onside kick transpiring drastically decreased. So on their charts or their analytics, 7% was the success rate of the uh, after the the rule change for the um, onside kicks, pardon me. So 7% of the time, onside kick is successful. He said, in my gut, I want to kick it deep. After uh, conferring with several people on the sidelines, we saw him talk with Boba Ventrone and, and some other folks on the sideline. He said after talking with those, it was a unanimous decision or um, universally agreed upon, I think is how he put it, um, that we were going to kick that deep. And really, if if we could have had a three and out, we could have got the ball back with about a minute left, and, and that's a smart coaching move. Our defense was just not stopping uh, Josh Jacobs <laughs> that day. Man, if you didn't know Josh Jacobs before that game, <clears throat> you know him now. He was a man out there. And uh, if you don't know his story, it's really a really great story. So, you know, we obviously wanted to beat him, make him sad, but that's a great story. And we like to see guys like that have success. Unfortunately, he has success against our favorite team, and that is a bummer. But that was the, the, the word on the onside kick. 7% was not a high enough success rate to, to execute that. We thought it was better to kick it deep and... Um, Maybe he thought our defense had a little bit higher than 7% chance of forcing a 3 and out. Maybe an 8.5% chance. Who knows? But that was that. So next, the beat writer, I think it was uh, Mike Chappell, brings up the lack of pressure. What are we going to do about the lack of pressure? What are your thoughts there, Mr. Head Coach, about the lack of pressure? So the first thing he brings up is about getting the ball out quick. He does say that that's you know, not an entirely you know, a valid excuse, right? Because we, we know that because... Derek Carr had been sacked seven times coming into that game. And the, and the one sack that we were credited for was basically Anthony Walker chasing Derek Carr out of the <clears throat> field of play behind the line of scrimmage. So mark that down for a sack. Derek Carr does get the ball out in 2.5 seconds on average. That is third highest, fourth highest, pardon me, in the league. So, I mean, that's that's fast, right? We saw that he had been sacked, so that's not a full story to tell. Patrick Mahomes is clocking at 2.73. He's holding the ball a little bit longer than Mr. Derek Carr. But he did say, regardless of that, <clears throat> we didn't get home. We had one other QB hit uh, in that game, and it was Danico Autry with one QB hit. But um, 
yeah, we're not getting home. Even when we bring blitzes, we talked about that on my on my last uh, recording there. That even when, when they did bring blitzes, they weren't getting home. They were getting picked up quite well by Josh Jacobs in, in that O line uh, for Oakland. But yeah, he just said it was not a productive day as far as uh, sacks. Right, we know that. And he does divulge the fact that Mahomes, Mahomes, what was that? Uh, that was a different accent there for a second. Mahomes is the lowest in sack percentage. Okay, that is dropbacks to sacks percentage, the lowest. Right now, we know he's he's not getting the ball out as quick as some because we've seen him run run around out uh, back there like a chicken with his head cut off. So that's going to uh, sort of you have a double edged sword, right? It's going to have you hold the ball longer, but if you're able to elude and evade. It's also going to, uh, you know, get, get you out of some sacks, right? So, what is he at? Twenty-four TDs uh, for the year and no interceptions. Uh, he's not really forcing the ball anywhere. He, he's hitting wide open receivers. Uh, Mahomes is. Um, he's being aggressive, pushing it downfield. So, you know, we got to get pressure. We got to get pressure, and that's it. And I think I referenced it last time as well. When you when you look at what the Lions did. They they played uh, man to man and we played some man to man with the Raiders too. But they played a lot of man to man with one or two safeties helping over the top. And but but really they just they got pressure. And if you watch that game, Mahomes gets moved off the spot. So um, yeah, Frank didn't have much to share as far as you know what they're going to do around the lack of pressure. Other than it's going to get attention from the coaches and they're going to scheme new ways to get pressure. He said there was one package in particular in the second half, that he felt like they were getting uh, pressure with. So they're going to revisit that going into this uh, KC game coming up as well. So staying on the topic of our um, stellar defensive performance versus the Oakland Raiders, it's the run defense, right? So they basically just say, hey, Frank, what's going on with the run defense? And his first uh, reaction was to talk about something that I, I did write down uh, for my last recording, didn't get into it because it was getting kind of long, but it was it was gap control. And if that front seven loses their gap control, it's basically a domino effect that um, that that leads to you know open running lanes. You know, you know, it's it's not really rocket science, right? I played D-line, I played nose guard. It's not a complicated it's not a complicated process. That's why I was good at it, right? See ball, get ball, fill gap, penetrate gap, make play, right? And so <clears throat> You saw, you saw it yesterday, right? Where they were getting washed out of gaps, they were getting double teamed out of gaps. Our our, our linebackers were filling and being and being blocked. So it was, it was a rough day for gap control, uh, most most definitely. And um, what else? So he says, you know, it wasn't a you know an overall breakdown of gap control, but on this play it was one guy. On this on this um, play it was another guy, and, and that's how it goes. And they just find that gap, and away you go. So. Didn't divulge too much. He just said we need to tighten up and we will we will improve. So I get that. You know, it's kind of a little coach speak from our guy. But then today here, just about half an hour ago, we see the Colts make a move where we <clears throat> uh, wave uh, Jihad Ward, which is a little bit bittersweet because he did some good things for us last year. Uh, really sort of uh, absent this year, really not making any plays. Um, but the Colts uh, signed Trayvon Coley, to the active roster now. This is a six foot one, three hundred and ten pound uh, defensive lineman. So it's basically our. We now have two three hundred pound uh, linemen on this team, which was um, an interesting kind of turn of events, right? We always talking speed, 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 penetration, penetration. Um, 
but now we see us potentially getting pushed around here in the run game and really not getting penetration in the passing game, right? So you got to do something, right? So uh, this guy's out of Florida Atlantic. Um, he converted a defensive tackle from linebacker, right? So he should have some quick twitch in these six foot one, 310 pound body. Recorded 12 and a half sacks and 21 tackles for a loss uh, while there in college. Um, yeah, he was with the Ravens. Uh, he was with the Redskins. Yeah, he was. Um, he signed, you know, it was with, that was in 2016, undrafted out of college with the Ravens. So since then, it's been Ravens, uh, Redskins, and uh, the Browns. So he um, did some playing you know, uh, in real, real games. Pardon me. For the Browns in 2017, played in 31 games, 29 starts over 2017, 2018, 80 tackles, 11 for loss, two and a half sacks, two passes defended in a fumble recovery, um, and a safety. That's kind of neat. Got to love that. So, yeah, so here we are. We have a new large body for the D-line, kind of a, a nod of recognition to the fact that uh, we just we can't keep getting pushed around. Uh, in the trenches, right? Because one thing that Mr. Mr. Chris Ballard has said from the jump is it all starts up front. So that's what Frank had to say about the run defense, and Chris had to say it something about the run defense by waving a guy and signing a big beefy DT. You gotta love that. So he was then asked about the young corners staying on the topic of the defense. That's about the corners, right? Because uh, you know we had uh, Pierre Desir with a little bit of an injury. We got, you know, kind of Quincy Wilson out there looking like he's a little bit lost. Uh, so the first one that gets brought up is Rock. Uh, he said he's making progress, loves the aggressiveness and competitiveness, a lot of things we've heard um, since the time he was drafted. He does acknowledge a couple of rookie mistakes. He's excited about the player, and we're already seeing the evidence. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's definitely had his rookie mistakes. Um Trying to scrape the ball out of uh, Foster Moreau's hands there for the touchdown. Look, made him look like he was five foot five, hundred ten pounds. He did have a nice um, sort of uh, coverage on Terrell Williams down the sideline. Maybe got away with a little bit of a hold, but that's what DBs do, right? If you can get away with it, it's not called. You know, it's only a penalty if it gets called, right? So, I, I got to agree that I've, I've I've enjoyed the time watching Rocky Sin out there. He does look aggressive. He's he tackled very well. He almost had a pick, uh, you know, an interception in our game against uh, the Raiders. If you got to get those hands underneath there, he, he's golden. But that's good recognition and good, um, you know, motion back to the football. So it's interesting now with 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 uh, Clayton Hurt. We talking about having Quincy Wilson kind of do some safety reps. Um, that was the next thing that he was asked about, right? With no Clayton. And sort of the, the the corner group as it is, like you know, what's the plan, right? We haven't made a, you know, signed that uh, Mike Mitchell guy or Mike Mitchell esque player, you know, at all. So it's not like we're we'll rolling with Quincy Wilson. You know, he did bring up Quincy Wilson first. He said Quincy is versatile. I don't love the idea of uh, Quincy Wilson being asked to to be a, a, a strong. I just, he's not a strong tackler to me. I just he just um, leaves a lot to be desired there. I don't think he kind of has that sort of innate dog in him. And, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Feel free to blast me or whatever you'd like to do. But um, maybe more. And he's not fast enough for me to, for, for free safety. So 
and I am a big I'm a, I'm a car hit Willis fan so I think we're gonna see car Willis on the field a lot so he does reference Roland Milligan is is, is being back with the team and then um, he does say that George Odom put some good uh, tape on display in his playing time uh, last week as well so you know, as much as much as that back end is, is sort of in flux, I, I, it doesn't really matter if we don't get pressure for me. So, the young corners do need the help of, of the of the D line to to get this t- this internal clock of these quarterbacks moving a little bit faster. And honestly, for me, that's the biggest thing I'm going to be looking for as far as defense goes going into Kansas City. Honestly, it was the biggest thing I was looking for coming into this year. Go check my receipts, check the Twitter timeline. If we, I want to see us be able to rush with four, and until we can. This rushing cover, this cover two defense, this, you know, keep it all in front of you, eyes on the quarterback. I, I love I love Iberflus as when he speaks about his, his scheme. You can feel his passion, but it's got to translate on the field. And uh, we did see him evolve last year and um, employ some new schemes and just have some variety and some multitude of uh, just looks. Uh, we are looking for that this year. That's where we're at. That's where I'm at this year. Um, and I, we did play man against the Raiders, and we did play some zone. We mixed it up, but not effectively because when, when they needed the pass, uh, it was there uh, consistently. So there's the story on the young corners. Uh, Rocky Sin. You know, Kenny Moore, for me, he's been absent as well. I, you know, where's the blitzing of Kenny Moore? Where's his blitzing? That, that was a beautiful thing with Kenny Moore blitzing from the slot. And I, I just have not seen that either. Um, yeah, so that's that on the corners from Frank Reich. So then the topic turns to the Kansas City Chiefs, really. He talks about his approach to Kansas City. talks about, um, you know, the last time they played Kansas City, obviously, how that affects this game. Uh, so as far as the approach goes, you know, he talks about needing to be aggressive. talks about the points, obviously, that the the Chiefs are putting up right now. <clears throat> Talks about his charts and his, you know, his analytics and his scenarios, things like that. He said he's already, they're already going through scenarios right now of, of when to be aggressive, when to press that button, fourth down scenarios, third and long scenarios, things of that nature. So, I mean, that's that's encouraging to hear that they're already talking about being. Ag- I mean, that's not surprising, I suppose. I mean, uh, that they know that they need to be aggressive with this. Um, it does kind of. I'm just glad that they're thinking like that. At least they're saying that. It does. <laughs> I don't know why I keep thinking of the Jaguars game last year where we like never took points when we were in position to take points when we know that they can't score. We never took points. We lost the game. We got shut out that game. So like it. Hopefully that was a learning for Frank because we we didn't really our offense didn't really behave in a way that made me believe that we took into account that how their offense is going to to work or how many points they were going to score. So hopefully the case this year or, you know, 2019 Frank Reich, you know, that it will take into account that we, they're going to be, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to score. We need to score. And um, so, I mean, that's a good approach, obviously. I mean, we're not breaking any news there. So, and then he talks about the last game, you know, what, what happened there and um, what can you take from that for this game? He talks about not being able to convert a third down. They had a couple breaks go against us. Uh, they made plays and they got out in front. It, and um, that's huge. That's that's pretty much it. I, I agree. They made plays. They got out in front. I mean, heck, they were up seven nothing five minutes into the game. 
They were up 14 nothing before the end of the first quarter. Uh, and they were up 24-7 at half, right? Up 24-7 at half, right? Um, but 17 nothing before the, I mean, with, really with 12 minutes left in the second quarter, it sounds like a lot, like the uh, Raiders game, doesn't it? So we, they, we cannot get behind, uh, as Bowen likes to say, behind the eight ball. We can't get behind the eight ball out here. Um, and we didn't score until, you know, I mean, we scored seven in the first and second quarter and four. Or six in the fourth quarter, and that was the, that was it, right? Now you know he says the D did, you know do do well, or how how did he put it? I don't remember. He said they held up pretty well, and, and and that's I mean sort of true. I mean we held them below their the season averages um, for you know yards and points and things like that. We I mean but I mean truth be told that the the defense gave up 180 rushing yards and gave up a 65 percent. Completion percentage in 278 passing yards, right? I mean, that's, um, yeah. We did sack Mahomes four times in that game. Uh, they fumbled the ball three times, and we um, recovered one of those. So if that happens this, this week, we, you've got to capitalize on that. Uh, they were three for four on fourth down conversions. I remember that being a thing. They'd go for on fourth, and um, three for four on fourth is rough. And that correlates to their... Two to one time of possession, so they held the ball for forty minutes that game, and the Colts had the ball for twenty minutes that game. And um, <laughs> I remember that first half with the batted passes, right? It's like we didn't even have the ball at all whatsoever. But but um, and then we start passing, and you know, three and outs become a quick quick series. And now you've got this unbalanced time of possession uh, in that last game. And you know, Zach Hicks is, an, is a name I think I've already said, but. Um, he was on Locked On Colts podcast, and I think asking about you know the game, and he, he talked about talking about time of possession, and I, I chuckled because he, he he almost said like we have to possess the ball like all of the time, <laughs> like we we it has to be at the Colts ball like all of the time, and uh, it's kind of funny because it's not possible obviously for us to have the ball the entire time, but like that's like what has to happen? We have to have the ball for the greater majority, like overboards like a, a gross amount of, of time of possession really um so that's that's gonna be interesting um with marlon mack has this little ankle thing and people like to get freaked out about marlon mack's durability and this and that i, I would just say to those people like go go run the ball in a football game in the nfl for it for a, a game and see you know i don't even care if you're built like marlon mack or built like bo jackson like go run the ball in one game and see if you don't have a sore ankle you know so whatever okay he's got a sore ankle uh, we're going to run that ball with him this Saturday. So when he talks about not letting the Chiefs get 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 fat get, get out to a fast start, pardon the stutter there. Um, that's got to be that's got to be the number one focus going into that game because really that that that'll just it'll be it'll be done, right? So and you got to look at that Lions game to to for a little bit of a blueprint as to as to how to slow this down, because they, they really very well uh, could have lost that game. So that's what Frank had to say on the conference call about Kansas City. Um, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to be smart with our aggression. And as far as last year, it's really just uh, making sure that they don't get out to a, to a quick lead and then make the Colts play from behind, because even more so than years past, obviously, right, that's just not going to work. Um and if that does transpire where we are down 17 nothing 
midway through the second quarter, that 31-13 score from last year may look potentially tame. So uh, I know Stampede Blue's got an article out right now saying there needs to be some sort of miracle of biblical proportion in order for the Colts to win this game. And I would have believed that maybe prior to the Lions game, but um, if we get pressure, <laughs> if we get pressure and um, cover on the back end, I mean, it sounds so simple, right? But uh, Andy Reid is 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 a, is a wizard, and uh, it's going to be a fun game to watch. But we've got to get pressure, and we can't let him get out to a quick start. And that's that's basically that. So that's what Frank had to say on his conference call regarding the upcoming Kansas City Chiefs contest. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to a little bit of a dive into the most recent Frank Reich uh, post-game press conference. Um, Chris Ballard should be talking with the media here this week as well, so that should be interesting. He does a quarterly check-in with the media, and we are uh, four games in, so that is a quarter into our season, so we should be looking forward to that. I might put a little breakdown of that on these nice little airwaves as well, but until next time, I appreciate you, and uh, go Colts!